We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. See, see, I knew, I knew it wasn't going to work. I knew it wasn't going to work. Good, good, close. It was close. I tried. Good. I, mean, I did it lower. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm, I'm a, uh, I, I, I have a sore throat and and a cough, but I am Jordan Cooper. Where you can follow me on Twitter at the Blender HD. I, I have no idea what I'm doing with the intro anymore. It's, it's it all typically goes by like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to say, but no, I, I may lose my voice in the next three minutes. So who the hell knows? But it's Mondays. It's Monday, July 24th. You know what we do on Mondays? We make fun of the fact that Jordan has a cold and bring in <laughs> James McCool. Mondays with McCool, the co-author, the theory of daily fantasy sports. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. James, you're gonna have to do a lot. Did did you're gonna have to do a lot more talking? 
On today's show, something you may not be used to. That is, that's not my job. <laughs> my job is not to talk a lot. But uh, as you can hear, um, Jordan is dying. His throat is not even going to exist by the end of the show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well today. Um, coming up towards the end of what I hope is the month from hell in terms of bankroll. Uh, baseball has been brutal. Of course, baseball usually gets a little bit wonky after the All-Star break. We're coming up on the trade deadline as well. So we're going to continue to have some kind of weird things happen. Players getting pulled, players getting scratched. Um, you know, it, the the summer season of the MLB season is always where the variance is just ramped up to 100. And um, why, why is that the case? Well, the, the hotter the weather and, and it's better hitting weather. So when hitting weather is better, pitcher outcomes are more variant. Um, we, we have colder weather and we have, uh, you know, hitters are not quite warmed up yet from the off season for the first month or two. And then we come into, it's still kind of colder weather and people are warmed up and then hitting starts to get a little bit better. And then in the summer where the weather is nice and everybody's warmed up and pitchers are starting to have to kind of battle attrition. Um, we, we end up in these summer months of June, July and, and August <clears throat> really running into some higher variance situations. And, um, with, with that said, I, I don't think that it's necessary to, because some people have been asking me like, oh, well, you know, should we even be paying up for pitchers at this point? It's like, yes, of course you should. Like the, the expensive pitchers are typically the best pitchers on the slate. It just means their range of outcomes is wider. And, and that is for both the high end and the low end. So while high end pitchers are, you know, not going to have as, as consistent of a floor, their floor is going to be a little bit lower. Um, the, the cheaper pitchers can just get shelled, right? Like to, just destroyed. Um, or, or we have guys who are not in good spots. You know, Adam Wainwright coming back from IL is a spot where you look at him and he's cheap, but he's going up against good offense and, and bats are looking better. And it, it just gets to a point where, where I think that pitcher and hitter variance is higher. So um, we just see outcomes where people are not wanting to pay up for pitcher, and and you should still do that, even though the last two weeks have been kind of rough. Right. The main point is that in the in the heat, in the summer months, offense goes up, right? So the ball carries further, right? So you instead of in the in the early part of the season, it the game is just as variant. It's just that you have a lot more of the five to two games, six to one. Four to three. Then you may get a team may score nine runs. Once the weather's hot everywhere and humidity is up. I mean, we had that slate last week where like eight teams scored 10 plus runs. So on, on slates like that, where there are multiple teams, when you take a look at the team totals and you have multiple teams, five plus, well, some of those teams may actually get shut out. But some of those teams, if they hit the ball if the, and the pitcher gets into a lot of trouble, next thing you know, it's the fourth inning and it's and it's 15 to three. And that pitch and and that could happen to any pitcher, to any team, because the weather is what it, you know, Blake Snell could walk two guys. It's hot weather. Next guy hits a home run. Three innings in, he's, he's giving up nine runs. He may still strike out seven or eight, but I mean, the damage is done. In the cold, and when when the weather's colder, those outcomes are less likely to happen. Those game outcomes are less likely to happen on both on both sides. But of course, the better pitchers still have higher medians. 
right? The better hitters still have higher medians. It's just that the, the floors and the ceilings start getting wider and wider. Yep. And of course, because it's baseball, <coughs> correlation is so high. If one outcome gets wider, the whole team's outcome gets wider. And then the opposing pitcher's outcome gets even, the floor is even lower and lower, negative point. So you have to take that into account, especially in the summer months. Yeah, it just, it just shows us outcomes like we have had, like, say, Strider and Otani, right? Like, in the last couple of weeks, we've had both Strider and Otani um, be able to have good fantasy outcomes, all things considered, 20-plus fantasy points for both of them, I think, but they ended up giving up three, four home runs each um, to, to less-than-quality opponents. Uh, and, and that's just kind of what we see. We start seeing these pitchers who might be a little bit home-run prone, um, giving up more and more home runs. And and if guys are on base because of whatever reason, you know, that's when those explosive outcomes can happen. So uh, it, it's just been it's just been a lot more variant. And um, I, as much as I love variants, one of the things that I do not like is, like, I like fading the chalk for, like, a secondary nice spot, right? Like, that's that's one of my favorite things to do. Here is a team that has aggregate ownership of 120%. And then we have another team that is just as good that has aggregate ownership of like 90%. Like I, I'm all about getting on that 90% team, fading a little bit of the ownership, um, giving myself some nice leverage in smaller field contests. Uh, and then hoping that the 120% ownership team tanks and doesn't do well and the 90% ownership team does well enough to continue to pass the field. And then obviously no other team just goes absolutely bonkers. Uh, the second part of that statement is every other team is just going bonkers. Like the other day where we had those 12 teams put up 10 or more runs, it's like, that's a complete lottery. That's, that is, there's nothing that you can do about it. Like if you were on one of those 12 teams, you, you look at, you look at a stack and you're like, Oh, I was on X team and they put up 11 runs. Like I should have made money and 10 other teams also put up 10 more runs. And like the other teams had more home runs than your team. And right. Well, DFS is a, it's a relative game. So it's right. not a matter of like, well, I scored 190 points and that would have won a GPP any other day. Right. Well, when half the team score a lot of runs, then the, the most valuable time is I win most of my baseball slates. My big wins typically come on slates where the highest scoring team put up eight runs. Yep. Right. And, and I, and the highest scoring team is the Tigers or the mm -hmm. Royals or some vomit inducing stack that only costs like 17,000. But I didn't win because they put up, because the Tigers put up eight runs. I won because no one else put up more than four runs. Right. Right. And everyone else played these other teams. And since so many pitchers did well, I got the two best pitchers because I was able to pay for them mm -hmm. and have had the stack that went off for eight runs that cost very little. Yep. Only because relatively the team scoring eight runs was twice as much more than anyone else on the slate. Mm -hmm. But when you, you're rostering the team that scores 12 runs and five teams score 12 runs, relatively doesn't mean it doesn't mean that much. If each of those stacks on average of those six 12 run teams, 10 run teams, whatever are three to 5% each. All that means is that, okay, well I got one of them, right? But that represents 18 to 24% of the field, mm -hmm. which means it's like, okay, so you got one of them. That means you made it to the cash line, right? And if you don't have one of them, you're dead. If you yeah. don't have one of them, you you can't even minimum cash. 
But it's like, but you didn't do anything special because 20% of the field has some five-man stack that of a team that scored 10-plus runs. Mm-hmm. And that happens, getting back to the original point, that happens a lot more during the summer yep. than, than in the beginning of the season, than in the beginning of April, where a lot of teams are playing in 55-degree weather mm-hmm. and not 95-degree weather. Yeah, and and I'm exactly the same way when it comes to my wins. My wins have mostly been when the chalk fails, when like very popular plays fail, and there's a low scoring slate. Um, 120 fantasy points, 130, whatever. Not these 195 points needed. 230, 240. Yeah. Like I, I I'm not gonna do well if if you know multiple 30% owned players are are crushing or or even I I, I do well. I think I do well when uh, when chalk pitching fails specifically because usually I'm not on a lot of the heavy chalk pitchers, um, but you know regardless of the point, like it where it's it's just justifying the, the relative value of the point. Um, you said before the show that you want to talk about NFL, so is, is I wanted you... we talked last week. I try I tried. Yeah, we were talking about the running back crap that's going on. Yeah, I try to figure that because I I you know me. I don't care about NFL football typically until like 36 hours before the first DFS slate. (laughs) And at the, at the way this looks, I'm not sure if I could do a show tomorrow, if I'm the only one that could, that's going to be talking on a show. But I talked last week about just trying to figure out what the running backs were complaining about. So I didn't get like what rules need to be changed. I didn't realize that, that the franchise tag, because I don't pay, like, dude, do I care about any of this when it comes to DFS? This is the type of stuff that, like, I guess, yeah, if you're paying, like, if you're playing Madden video games and you're playing franchise mode, you may know, like, some of this, like, some of this stuff. You're playing Dynasty Leagues. Like, I don't care about any of this. That basically franchise tags are, I always thought franchise, oh, that means, oh, you're the, you're the, we're going to tag you. franchise. That means you're, you're our best player and you get these benefits. But I, 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 I forgot that. Any type of any type of agreement with the the, the uh, CBA with the union, if it sounds good, that's probably against the players, right? It's like if it sounds oh franchise tag oh that's that's a good thing. No, it's probably it probably sucks for the player. And I didn't realize that that when when a team tagged you, that means you got like an automatic raise for the next year, but they lock they lock you into that extra year, and you're salary is based on like some type of rolling average for that position plus like 20% like yeah. something like that and the reason why the running backs are like the, the high end running backs are holding out or you know miffed is that the average salary for a running back has gone down and that teams have rightfully started to value running backs appropriately and not as highly as they used. Like, I'm not saying that Saquon Barkley is, like, bad. I'm not saying that Josh Jacobs is bad or Tony Pollard is bad. But if we go back into the history of the NFL, running, you know, star running backs were always treated as, like, the high-skilled players, regardless if some of them get injured too often. You know, like, it's the most injury-prone position that – we need to like reframe the fact that like running back by committee, although it sucks for us DFS players, 
Like that probably is like, you probably should never be giving a running back more than 50% of your team's touches. And you should also be paying them appropriately for that. You're not, you shouldn't be paying them as if they're getting 90%. Mm-hmm. And is that that's the adjustment that's happening in the league when it comes to like player salaries is concerned. And I just, I just wasn't aware that, that the franchise tag, like basically when running backs get on their rookie contract, they get, they get like a four year contract. And then once you add the uh, uh, possibly two years of franchise tags on top of it, by the time they get, like if they enter the league at like 23 years old, 22, 23, by the time they're able to actually negotiate free agency, they're like 28, 29 years old. Mm-hmm. And you already hear at 28, 29 years old, how many more years do you got on your legs? And it's very hard for them to like get their big money free agent contract. So like, am I, am I assessing the situation properly when it comes to why, why this whole, this whole, this hubbub about, you know, Oh, running back lives matter, you know, like that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's, I I understand why they're peeved, right? It, it makes sense. Like when you see the ballooning contracts that other positions are getting, um, and especially relative to the amount of time that they touch the ball, right? Uh, running backs still have a ceiling of touching the ball the second most on a team outside of the quarterback. So, and they take the biggest beating. Um, running back careers are typically much shorter than wide receiver, which is much shorter than quarterback, right? Like they only have so much time to make the money that they're going to make in their career. And when you think about it, like I, I was thinking about this the other day, um, over the course of let, let, let's say that you have like a 40 year career, right? As a regular average working person. Um, and I'm going to give the average working person a hundred thousand dollars salary, right? And I understand yeah, that the average. average person would love that. So yeah, I was going to say, I understand that's not average, but like right, but for mathematical people. purposes. Yes. Yeah. Just to round things off. Average person here in this scenario makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, and you work for 40 years and you end up making, you know, $4 million or, or whatever. Um, when, when we put in perspective, how much these athletes, need to make quote unquote to satisfy the career of their entire lives. Um, running backs, if they end up signing for a $5 million contract, I, I don't know what the average typical running back contract is for a rookie. I, I assume it's not a lot. Um, if they're, if they get an initial four year contract for say $10 million, and then they have an issue negotiating that next contract, where now they're only making another like $10 million or whatever, like that $20 million that they make basically in their prime is one contract for a wide receiver, right? It's one contract for a quarterback. So I, I understand why they're peeved. And, and when you look at the contracts that are being given out to all the other positions and mainly the skill positions, they are the bottom of the barrel, but, but they contribute the least in terms of, um, analytic gain right like that their epa you don't tell that to them you know you're not even worth that much no and that sucks that's the part that sucks about this is that like you you try to tell an athlete that is getting hit by 350 pound men that they're the least valuable person on the team (laughs) it's like but then i don't think i don't think that i think value is the wrong term i think the most replaceable 
on the team. That and that too. But that's is another it, part. Is it, that, is it really that the the main thing? It's not about value. It's like obviously running backs have value. Just a matter of the difference between a good a great running back and a good running back from an from a how many more wins do you give the team is not right. dramatic. It's like as as long as you have a functional, competent running back that is average at everything, the difference between that person and the great running back doesn't get doesn't really doesn't really get you that much. You'd rather you'd rather have three healthy above average running backs mm-hmm. that you mix in than one great running back that there's a 50% chance during the course of the year that they're going to be injured. Cuz that's you have a 50% chance of getting injured at all your running backs. So it's like yeah. you need to carry four of them and have three active for every game. And even at that point, you're grabbing things off the practice squad. I mean, when it, when it comes to running backs and uh, uh, JWH in the uh, in chat said about running back values for a best ball. Cause I, I wanted to focus, turn this a little bit more towards DFS, mm-hmm. but it seems like it says that it seems like running back ADP and best ball is getting too low. I don't necessarily think that's the case. No, I, think, I, I, think I would say the same thing in, in DFS. I think people equate. I this happens in both best ball and DFS. Mm-hmm. So, James, if I if I gave you if I gave you a, a, a let's say I asked you this question, I said it's a it's a we use best ball because there's even a more variance in best ball. Uh, you have a choice between. Who are the top five wide receivers in the league for like best ball? What like Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Diggs? You know something. You know those types of wide receivers, right? Yeah, I can. Tell I don't you. even. Fo- I don't follow. I'm, it's uh, on different Jefferson, teams. Jamar Chase, okay. Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs. Okay, so those are the five. Yeah. Okay. If I gave you a choice now, what are the top five running backs by ADP? Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Bijan Robinson, Nick Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor. Okay, so this is this. You have to think of variance, not in the in the terms of like what happens over the course of a season. Of what could, what could, how could you exploit variance? So mm-hmm. like the top five receivers. If I told you James that I will I I will give you on your team. Your your fantasy team, your best ball team, you get to have you get to have one of these guys, but I will randomly select one for you. Do you think that at the end of the year, that the difference between those five wide receivers are going to be that dramatic? At the Probably end not. of the year. Probably not. Probably yeah. not. Right? Yeah, Justin Jefferson may have a slightly better season than Jamar Chase. Cooper Cup may have a slightly worse season, but if we played this out season over and over and over again, <clears throat> most likely all these receivers play every game, mm-hmm. right? Average eight to 10 targets a game. Average eight to 10 targets a game. Some may get more to, right, exactly. Now let's go to the running backs, those five running backs. It, if I randomly gave you one of the five, how 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 big is the chance that that you're now you're that depending on which one of these five you have, 
uh, you're either in first place in your league or your last place in your league. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty significant. Um, right. It's actually it's actually more likely that happens yeah. because you're going to draft one of these guys very high, and in week two they're going to be out for the year, <laughs> right? Or they're going to be great for six weeks and then be out for four weeks, and then you know you miss your playoffs and they come back for the playoff weeks and it doesn't even matter to you. Or like, the team has has changed their mind and now they want to have somebody else in third down instead of Christian McCaffrey. Right. Right, the, these these running backs don't even become, aren't workhorses anymore. They become forty percent right. timeshare backs, right? But it could also be the other way, a guy that one of those guys could be like, nope, we're have, we're leaving him on the field for ninety five percent, and he de- and he never gets injured the entire year. And then you're like, well, if you had that guy, you probably won your league. But the thing is, is that it could be any one of those five guys. Mm-hmm. The r- wide receivers, the season long variance is much smaller. They're going to get their eight to 10 targets. They're probably going to be healthy for most of the games, right? On average. It just matters who caught the touchdown pass. What teams happen to be better than others? The 12 and 14 versus the six and six and six and 10 team. But the running backs, it's like, dude, one of those guys, one of those guys is, is going to have like 1400 yards and 20 touchdowns. And, 40 receptions and one of these guys is going to have 300 yards with five receptions because they were out for 12 games yeah. throughout the course of the good luck telling me which one it is. Cause no matter what, Oh, well this guy's injury prone with like, dude, there's no way to predict that type of stuff. So although the median values of these players are high, like we talked before with the heat in the baseball, like the range of outcomes is just very wide. Mm-hmm. So are you willing to spend draft capital on a position that is highly variant? Or do you want to spend draft capital on a position that is low, that is lower variant? If you get the right guy and you draft him in the first or second, if you draft one of these running backs in the first or second round and they put up a, you know, MVP level season, you probably got – they probably should have been the first-round draft pick of the whole league, mm-hmm. and they were picked uh, the uh, 108, or they were picked in the second round. Yeah. And it's like, well, had I had I known this, that they would have stayed healthy and caught five balls a game out of the backfield, this guy should have easily been the first pick of the entire draft. Yeah, but which one is it? Right? Out of the top five, ten running backs? Cool. Good luck. Do you, want to, do you want to spend that? But you know that when you pick Justin Jefferson – you know what you know what you're gonna get, essentially. So why are people picking like oh well people are picking running backs lower and lower? The ADP is getting lower and lower. It's like on average for running backs, yes, but if you if you pick the right running back early, you can win your league. You know, when it's it's funny. Guys, just like we talked about last week with, with with when we talked about best ball, James. Uh it's very easy to analyze data from the past three years and go, well, you know who won these leagues? The teams that had the best performing players. So so that's what your draft strategy should be. Just pick pick the guys. They're going to score the most points. So when, when it comes to the ADP with running backs, if you could pick, dude, if you could pick the eight one-offs in baseball that hit the two home runs, like, good, go, go do that. But good luck. Who do, Who can do that? How much variance is there to pick the eight home runs today? You can't. 
Yeah. So in general, aren't based on the concept that of these running backs versus wide receivers, shouldn't you be drafting running backs late, much later on average? Yeah. It, it's funny, like five years ago, running back used to be the more secure position and wide receiver was the more volatile one. And like you would always talk in, in DFS, five, again, five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago. I, how long have I been playing DFS? My God. Um, a long time ago, we would talk about how wide receiver was variant and running back was more consistent. You know, we, we would buy into running backs being the position, position that we should pay up for in DFS and then wide receivers being the position that we would pay down for. Why, why was that the case, though? And that was because running backs were more consistent. They were getting 90% of the carries. There were bell cow backs. There were backs that were deserving of the price. You know, we had the Le'Veon Bells. We had the Todd Gurley's. We had David um, Johnson. Yeah, David Johnson, right. Yeah, we, we had these running backs who were, uh, were very, very heavily involved in the offense and were averaging something like 30 touches per game. Like, it, it was gross. Um, and so because of that, it was better to pay up for running backs than to pay up for wide receivers. And then the flipped, the script kind of flipped, you know, with, uh, with Cooper cup and with uh, these very, very high volume wide receivers, these guys that um, have a floor of like seven catches per, per week uh, and 60, 70 yards, something like that. With, with that flip, it's now that running backs are more volatile and we see that still carry over into best ball where uh, the, the consistency of wide receivers is just so much better on the high end, specifically on the high end, that we would rather spend the draft capital on wide receivers rather than running backs. Now, to your point, JWH, of saying that everyone promotes these no RB strategies that are still somewhat unproven and that you want to be contrarian because of DFS and it makes you want to do the opposite. So while there while we're still working with a lot of heuristics in best ball and while we still don't have like designated strategies, we talked a lot about that last week about how a lot of these strategies are unproven. We can still look at market value as something that is going to find equilibrium eventually um, and work towards equilibrium. Um, and what, what we are seeing is in the same way that DFS strategies will carry over into best ball, that is one strategy and, and one kind of trend that has carried over that makes a lot of sense in that, running backs are less consistent and more volatile. Thus, you shouldn't pay as much to have them. You can think a lot about ADP and um, the draft capital in best ball is the same way that you would think about salary in DFS, where you, if you're spending your max salary on someone, you want them to be the most consistent source of fantasy points that you can find and have a high ceiling. That's wide receivers right now. That's Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, these guys who have high averages and high ceilings. Whereas running backs might still have the high ceiling, like one of was just talking about. They can win you your league, but the consistency is much less. Um, their range of outcomes is considerably wider and their deviations are much wider within those ranges. So um, when it comes to buying running backs, quote unquote, in best ball, what, what we end up seeing is that, uh, that they're starting to go uh, later in drafts, mostly because the market is becoming more efficient on where we should be drafting certain positions um, in the high end. And I say that specifically in the high end, because I think that as we work into the middle rounds, that's where things get a lot more muddied up and where you can find a lot more values is on these guys who are in like round four to eight or whatever. Um, in that range, that's kind of what we would consider the 6K 
like the 5,500 to 7,500 range for DFS. Right, for running, right. Um, and, and that's, you know, that range is where a lot of people, myself included, I'm sure Blender included, make their money when it comes to the DFS season is being able to look at that range and say, here are the guys who are overpriced, here are the guys who are underpriced, here are the situations they're worth exploiting, here are the circumstances that we need to pay attention to. And then, then no matter what, Cordell Patterson kills you. Right, every single time. Yeah, you right. literally do not. $200 Cordell Patterson with 12 touches ends up killing you and scores not 29 fantasy Right, yeah. Uh, and and he, you know, we run into those situations with best ball as well, I think. Um, but that that's kind of where I think that when we're looking at and considering how much a running back is worth in best ball, in those upper ranges, those first three rounds, ADP and, and where people are drafting is just becoming more efficient. Like running backs are falling farther and farther back and wide receivers are rising up because that consistency of wide receivers and tight ends um, is, is starting to become much more efficient. Whereas those middle rounds, you can find a lot of values. And then towards the later rounds, that's where you're taking your flyers. You don't really want to be super heavily on guys who are being drafted after round eight because their consistency is just so much lower. Um, and if we're thinking about it in terms of GPP, you would rather be exploiting the cheap guys uh, that are lower owned rather than higher owned. And, well, and actually, the, to me, that's the key point. Like, this people want to play contrarian. Like mm-hmm. people peg me, oh, you're a contrarian player. I'm not a contrarian player, right? Contrarian doesn't mean do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. Contrarian means what you should be doing is you're exploiting the mistakes of your opponents. That's all. That's all it is. Exploiting the mistakes of your opponents. How do you exploit the mistakes of your opponent? What are they doing too much of? What are they doing too little of? Mm-hmm. Now, it could be that, oh, yeah, well, a lot of people are already drafting running backs a round or two lower than than they have been in the past. But that, so everyone's doing that. So I'm going to do something different. But what happens if that's where you should be running? Like, right. that, that doesn't mean they're doing something wrong. That just means... They're doing it a lot. Are they doing it as much as they should be doing it? And if the answer is yes, then by taking a running back first round or whatever, like doesn't, you're not exploiting their mistakes. They're exploiting your mistake, right? So it's very similar to, to ownership. And, you know, I always give the NBA example. The 78% owned guy that, you know, projects for 7 million median and you go, oh, uh, I'm going to be contrarian. I'm going to fade that guy. It's like, yeah, but the guy should be 95% owned. Right. You know, you're actually exploiting people's mistakes by play. Right. So I view it very similar to this, that how are people making mistakes? And sometimes, and I think people get in trouble a lot. And this happens in poker often also. Fancy play syndrome. Yep. Where sometimes, and and, and I, I want to highlight this because like I, I did the advanced sports analytics show with Brandon Adams for two years and Brandon's great at DFS. He's great at poker. Uh, We always butted heads because I came up with contrarian strategies that were still good. He admitted like these are you're you're being maximally exploitative, but he also said, it's like most of the time when he played, like when he plays the Millie maker in NFL, when he plays the small field contest, it's different. But he yeah. says when he plays the Millie Maker in NFL, 
He doesn't. He does not care what the the ownership is of his Lakers. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. And you go, well, why shouldn't you care about the ownership? And, and he would admit and said, yes, you should care. The thing is, is that in those fields, the mini millimaker in NFL on DraftKings has such, like 40% of the entries are, are awful. Yeah. Like the, you know, the easiest way to exploit, I get the most amount of EV in my lineups by just simply playing the best plays more than the field because the field isn't playing them enough. So yeah, my lineups are chalky, but they show the highest ROI because... I'm just exploit the easiest way for me to exploit my my opponent's mistakes is to just play the best plays more often than they are because you should be because the field isn't playing them enough. Very similar in poker to like you could get into games. There are games in poker you play a nine-handed game and everyone's in every hand. And it's like are there exploits where well, this guy's more susceptible to river bluffs. This guy's, I could check raise for value on the turn here. It's like, you know where your biggest edge is? Just playing less hands. Just playing with the strongest hands against that people that are playing way too many hands. The only 90% of the money that you're going to make is from that. The 10% is from all the other stuff. But like, do I even need to focus on the other stuff? Dude, I'll just wait for good hands and then bet them for value with no deception. And it's like, are your what is your opponent's weakness? They play too many hands, and they don't care about what you have. 
So it's like, okay, so never bluff them and just value bet them to death and just have start with the best hands. And that that's it. It's the thing is it's 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 boring. Yeah. It's very boring. It's a, that, that's not sexy for me to just tell people tell people, okay, you're in a really horrible best ball draft, right? You're in your office league. Like some people, some people do that. They I'll, I'll get socially out and about or something. Someone will know that, oh, I'm fantasy football, whatever. And they'll, they'll, they they do a season-long league. And, of course, I don't play season-long, but I did. I understand the concepts. They'll go, uh, yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a friend league. Uh, can, can you get – who should I draft in the first round? This guy, that guy, or this guy, or something like that. You know, some stupid question like that. And they go, okay, what's your league type? They go, do we have a 10-team league? And we start one quarterback – you know, two running backs and whatever, you know, whatever. The, it, is it PPR score? Yeah, it's PPR, whatever. And I go, uh, I go, uh, 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 tell, t- and I, I asked him, I said, tell me the first round of last year's draft. Right. Just, just to get a sense of like what type of league and uh, the last year's draft and the top 10 picks that there were uh, two quarterbacks and like Justin Jefferson went in like the second round. Right or something, some some type of thing like that, uh, and 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 he also mentioned that uh, that uh, what one guy uh, drafts his defense in the fourth round, like because that's what he he, he always tries to get the best defense, and he and once he starts telling me this stuff, I go said said you know what you should do said go go to the your the most favorite fantasy football site you want go get a magazine if you want right for the ADP values. Right, I said. When 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 it's t- time for you to draft a player, just take the highest on. Just take whatever the highest number that's left. You don't have to do anything else, and just fill 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 positions whichever way you want. I said, should I take a running back first or what? I said, I don't even. That's may not even be that important for your league. It's like your opponents are making so many mistakes just in 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 draft position value that you should be able to have. A, pro- a season-long projected median team that is significantly higher than your opponents by sim- simply just drafting the best player in each round. Yeah, that's of, of median value. But that's and so look, boring. And they, and they look right. They go, go it's, that seems stupid. Well, I'm just going to do it off a of book. Like they thought I had the secret of like, well, no, you take this, you you wait to the sixth round, and you take this running back. It's like, no, you know, do you do you want to do you want to have fun or do you want to win your league? I was just going to say that if you, if you play in a season long league with your friends, I I don't even think that you should be trying to win. I think you should just be playing for fun so that you guys can go and hang out and drink beers at Buffalo Wild Wings and watch the games on Sundays and just have fun, man. Because like winning, God, ROI is so boring, dude. It's so boring. Like when, when you think about maximizing ROI and you think about maximizing EV, like the, the way that I teach people how to play DFS and then the way that I catch myself sometimes playing DFS is can be so far apart. Like I'll look at a, I'll look at a, at a slate where it's like, oh yeah. So, uh, you know, this pitcher is really, really good. And this pitcher is also really good and underpriced and they're going to be the chalk and Oh, and and then this team is is a really good stack, and they're priced appropriately, and there's a good value stack, and it's like okay, so that's that's a very easy cash game to build. And then I'll look at it and I'll be like, but what if I didn't do that? 
<laughs> that, like, sometimes I just do that. And I think to myself after the slate, I'm like, man, what is wrong with my head today? Where like, I, I know exactly what I could have done. I could have just built that. And then I could have said, okay, where's one pivot that I can make? Cause I get all I play is the small field stuff. Like I, I never played the, the flagship. I don't play anything over a thousand entries. Where's one thing that I can make different in this. Do I want it to be like a direct leverage thing? Do I want it to be a, a, a secondary leverage thing? Like what, what is the leverage that I want to build into this and then just do that. And then just lock and walk away. And that's all that I would need to do. Right. But like, sometimes that part of my brain, that FPS syndrome part of my brain is like, but what if you played the 1% own stack instead? And I'm like, oh my God, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. Because it makes you feel good when you're right. It does. I know. And, and that's, that's part of the other thing about fancy play syndrome is that you feel like you were smarter. You feel like you were smarter when the thing that you did that wasn't optimal works out. Right, jam, jam, jamming in the 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 twenty two percent owned bill stack doesn't feel like it's like okay, well I can't win with this. It's like well you it's build your as I tell people all the time. It depends on your lineup. Yep. Yeah, do you jam all the chalk in your lineup? No, but it doesn't mean oh well. Uh, Josh Allen plus dig the digs Josh the Allen digs Davis stack with the the whatever run back or with a two, a double stack, like, like, dude, just if you could still do that. Yeah. Right. And, but the, the point that I'm making more is that you should be more likely to do that in contests where people don't even have, aren't even playing them to the level in which right. they should be. And typically those are in, in smaller stakes, larger field contests where people, I, I mean, dude, I have conversations all the time of, our project projections people say it's like projections aren't an edge anymore right everyone has projections and i go have you downloaded some contests recently <laughs> right have you downloaded some contests recently even in nba right where projections like dude truthfully as long as you get the minutes halfway decently projections from anywhere whether you get it from roto grinders or anyone else are fine my my answer to anyone when they say you know who has the best projections? I'm like, that's not the question you should be asking. Your question nope. should be asking, do you have projections better than what you can do? And that's it. Like, as long as you have numbers, you're fine. Don't worry about who has the slightly better and how they measure which one is better, because then we'll get in a whole argument with that. Said, but download this at NBA. It's like, oh, can't play NBA large field contests. Everyone has everyone has good projections. I said, have you downloaded these CSVs? A quarter of the field have built lineups as if projections don't exist. I, uh, in, in my contest sim that I'm still working on that I have not finalized because I've been busy. Um, I, I pretty much put it, put it together to where like for baseball specifically, like 25% of the field that I'm creating is, is just like the dumbest lineups. That can be <laughs> Cause, Cause that's, it's, it is what it is. And what's, what's just as funny is that something like, 10% of the time, those lineups still win. Right. Right. Like, but, but of course, but, but they win, but they win. They still have like a negative, like 70% ROI. Right. And right. there are more of those lineups that are one of them. Will win, right. One that in poker, that's called implicit collusion. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's just that you're playing that, that, that game, that poker game. I'm playing a nine handed, 10 handed poker, 10 hand full ring. And I'm playing, 
I got pocket aces and I raise and everyone calls, right? So we're going to the flop 10 handed. I, I may have 30% equity, but it's like 70% of the time, one of these other hands is going to, I don't know which one it's going to be. And I have more and I'm getting the money in good. I want ever dude. I have 30% equity and I'm getting paid. I'm only putting in 10% of it. Like that's where your money is made. Yep. But most likely by the time the hand is over, 70% of the time, I'm going to, if if no one folds, I'm only going to win 30% of the time. But yeah. fortunately, I'm going to win like way eight times more money than I should. But one of those, ha- like, you're going to lose, you're going to lose to that seven, nine offsuit. Right. But if I don't lose to the seven, nine offsuit, I'm going to lose to the two, five suited. Right. And it's going to be one. That's what's, they're not colluding against me. It's just that there's nine bad hands. And, there's only 52 cards in the deck. So one of the, um, someone's going to get two pair or something like something. Yeah. I'm going to win 30% of the time, but 70% of the time I'm going to lose. So it's very similar to when people show the, the messy garbage lineup that wins a hundred thousand dollars on a baseball slate or something. Look, this guy did it. My first, my first reaction is like, show me, show me where he did that before. They never could show. It's always a single bullet lineup of someone that's never that. If you looked at the past contests, it'd be like, like this. It's not like someone regular doing it. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, these are when twenty five percent of the lineups look like this. Fifteen percent of the time, one of them is going to ten percent of the time, one of them yeah. is going to win because they just represent. It's very similar, James, to the uh, uh, quiz question I give to people a lot. Uh, that the NBA example, 80, if I told you that some $3,800 point card, you know, you know, the, the common scenario, the guy that's projected for God knows how much, uh, he's 90% owned. Yeah. And let's say he's, he's 4k and he scores 25 points. Now he may have been projected for more than that. I mean, let, let's let, not even say 25 points, 20 points. Yeah. Only five X. He was projecting six. Right. He's not, but so he underperformed. Yeah. Right. He's 90% owned. I will ask someone. I said, what, what chance do you get? Give me, give me, give me a number. What chance that this guy is in the, the winning large field GPP lineup? Most, most people tell me very low. And I go, it's, it's at least, I'd say at least 50, at least I'd tell them there's at least a 50% chance yeah. that, that he's going to be in, in the, in the winning lineup. Is it going to be 90%? No, but it's, but they're acting as if, Oh, he didn't score enough points. So there he's much, he's not likely to be in the winning lineup. It's like, well, you didn't consider the fact that out of the 30,000 entries in the contest, 27,000 entries have this guy in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, just by pure volume, like the other 3,000 lineups that don't have this guy have to beat out all the other lineups independent of what that guy scored. The guy could have scored zero, and he, he still has a good shot at being in the winning lineup because there's just more lineups that have that guy in it. So people don't relate that together of like, like oh, well, I'm going to fade that guy, and when he scores 20, you, no, dude, you still have to get all the uh, seven other positions yeah. right off. I mean, it, like, it's not, you don't just automatically win there. Yep. Like, it's just that when 
the other guy scores, you know, that guy scores 50 points at 4K, like you didn't gain anything. Yeah. No, you're right. And, and in that scenario, you're just shot. You're just shot, right? Because there's no way you can, you, there's pretty much no way from a projection standpoint, you're going to make up that many median points from any other, for that little amount of salary. It's almost like you're playing against people that were able to build 55, 56K lineups. Right. And you could only build a 50K lineup. Yeah. And, and the other part to that, too, is like, not only are you considering the 90% of people that have him and saying, you know, that if he only scores 20 fantasy points, it's 90%. The other 10% of lineups, if they don't have him, what are the quality of the players that do not have him in those 3,000 lineups, right? Like, sure, there's going to be some subset of the lineups from the really good players that are just hedging against their exposure to that player, but like. But some of those lineups look like, dude, you take a look on those those basketball slates where there's like, there's two big value plays, mm -hmm. right? Where there's like two guys at 4K, and then you look at like the sharp players and they both have like, 95 plus yeah, percent. They, of, they basically just locked them. Right. Oh. Basically, like, and maybe they have some lineups that only have one. Go find the lineups that have neither of those two players in it. The chances of you find like, like, of finding those lineups that were built, like, well, if you didn't play these two players, well, you should have at least played this guy. They don't even play that. Like, you take a look at these lineups, and it's like, if they weren't even able to identify that they should be playing these players. Like how good could the rest of their lineups? I mean, like it's like their portfolio of lineups. Most of the time, you're finding people that aren't playing 150 lineups. You're playing these are onesies and twosies and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And then on the rare occasion when the both those two players get injured in the first quarter or something like that, and oh, you could win that way. But isn't isn't that the whole purpose of DFS? We just like at the poker table, like dude, I don't complain where when my aces gets cracked by two, five suited calling three bets pre-flop. And then, and then, you know, I mean like, and going for a gut shot on, on the river to a double the pot size bet, like, dude, I want them to put money in. And mm -hmm. if it wasn't for the fact that, that yes, they'll win 7% of the time there, that they'll never come back to the poker table. Like they, yeah, they're going say... to lose too, too quickly. You always tell people to find another lineup from that person where they won doing that that lottery build. Yeah. I always just say I'm really happy for that person. I hope they never play DFS again. Just walk away from the table after after you have won 50k on a parlay lineup that doesn't make any sense. Just no, but we away. want them to keep on playing. I like seeing that because I want them. Oh to no, no, no. You, yeah, I, I would I would love for them to keep playing, but like the the side of me that wants everybody to have a good life, like I I hope that that person for the betterment of their life just walks away completely. Just quit DFS. Life. It's like you you got incredibly lucky, and it's just all downhill from here. Yep. Yep. I am hoping that that's me after the live final. I hope that I'm incredibly lucky, hit for a million dollars, and then it's just like a slow, casual drip of of some amount of money every single month. But after I win a million dollars. Daniel Hudgens says, there are even some mistakes that do not admit much exploitation at all. You just continue to play your superior strategy. That's mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. And he also says, feels like there may be some overlap between players with fancy play syndrome and conspiracy theorists. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably a little bit, but like I, I, I have fancy play syndrome every once in a while, and I'm certainly not a conspiracy theorist. I, I think that it just comes from like, all right, I think maybe it comes from you give, I think maybe very similar to what, uh, what people say, oh, 
you can't beat NBA. Everyone has projections. It's like, I think people overestimate their competition. They just assume everyone's like them. They go, well, obviously they have a projection model and obviously they're running lineups and obviously they're, and not realizing that I know it's 2023 and DFS has been around for more than 10 years, but there's still enough of the field yeah. in the large fields, in many of the contests above the rake that there's still an edge there. It is smaller than it was, but people overestimate the skills of the field. Yeah. So they go, it's like, oh, I need to do something different, right? You look at it, you look at a slate and you go, yeah, I guess everyone's going to play the Braves. Well, no, not everyone's going to play the Braves. Not I mean, like not everyone. 30% is of the field. Right. And some, but sometimes you do that, James. Sometimes you go every, we, this happens in football all the time, especially since it's weekly. Yeah. Yeah. You have this, you have the slates where everyone's going to play the Cowboys. It's Wednesday. <coughs> everyone's playing the Cowboys. Obviously they have a 56 total game indoors or whatever. Everyone's playing the Cowboys, James. On Thursday, everyone's playing the Cowboys. Who sh- who should we play? Like, you know what? Why don't we just play the Bills? Right? I know it's not a bad, not the greatest of matchups, but they still it's a, still a forty eight team total game. <clears throat> the stack is a little bit more expensive than it should be, but that just means it'll be lower owned. Friday comes around. Yeah, I think it's a good good idea to play the Bills because everyone's everyone's playing the everyone's playing the Cowboys. So let's play the Bills. Then. I'm building a lot of Bills lineups. Saturday, I got 25% of the Bills. I I X'd out the Cowboys, right? Because they're going to be way over-owned. Way, I mean, so over-owned that I'm not even going to bother. Yeah, I have 50 lineups. I didn't even bother playing a Dak Prescott stack because they're going to be so over-owned. Sunday, lock hits. Josh Allen is 18% owned and Dak Prescott's 7% owned. Yeah. Right? And it's like, and then you sit there going, if I knew that Dak Prescott was going to be 7% and CeeDee Lamb only 12% and not 22%, I just would have played a lot of Cowboy stacks. <laughs> right? And, 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 even if CeeDee Lamb was 22% owned, you right. still could have played him. Right. You still could have played, played him. Right. My favorite thing, my favorite phenomenon in, in NFL, specifically NFL, is when we have like a $4,500 running back at the beginning of the week who is looking like he's going to be like, 40% owned chalk or something. He, and he projects well and nothing changes about his projection. And then Friday we see a running back is listed as quite as not going to play. And then their $4,800 backup ends up being like 45% owned. And the $4,500 running back that was going to be 40% is like 10%. Right. It's like, what are we doing? It just, you, you could, that guy's still good. That guy's still really But he's good. not as new. I was I thinking about him for three days. And now that this new person, is here. I will. I think the new person is better. It's my favorite phenomenon in in all of NFL DFS. Is right. is that that uh, that flop lag chalk idea that uh, that people just like jump from one boat to the next and uh, and just completely forget about a really good value for no reason. It's now so my fa- my favorite with those running backs uh, are something will happen. Right, it's a committee of three, right, and then one of the running backs is is gets ruled out. So the running, it's going to be a, it's going to be like a 60, 40 timeshare now. And everyone is playing the, the, the 60% mm-hmm. guy, guy with the 60% timeshare at like four, at, at 5k. Right. 
So 5K, it's like normally he would have 40% of the work. Now he's going to, now because this, uh, the third guy is gone, we think he's going to be up to 60% of the work. And he doesn't even catch that many passes, right? He's just now going to get more, he's going to get more carries. Like we could, we could project him for a median of like 20 carries, right? 18 to 20 carries. And he probably gets the, the, the goal line work also, right? So they're, they're quality touches. And it's like 5K. 5,200, this other, the third guy's out. They're only going to have two running backs. And he ends up being like 28% owned. And when I would do the stupid Saturday streams, that guy, I would always look, I would look for another team that normally runs two running backs with a 60-40 timeshare with one guy that gets like, like I would go and go, tell me the difference between the guy that's going to be 28% owned tomorrow and Frank Gore. <laughs> right or Zach Moss, yeah, right or something like so or those types of bad Jamal Williams, and I go and they go well no but this guy is only competing against one of the running backs is gone it's like yeah but we 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 project Frank Gore to get twenty carries also, right is he playing let what are the team totals of these games and you go okay one team has a twenty two and one team has a twenty one and a half so it's like. Frank Gore is 4,300. He's actually cheaper, right? <laughs> right. It's like, and he's going to be 3%. He's going to be 2% owned with the same workload as this guy that just because the other running back is out somehow. Okay. Now he's projected for 20 carries and you know, he's, he's plus 120 for a touchdown, but it's like, you're, you're, you're listing off the stats of Zach Moss that no yeah. one plays every week. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you're listing, you know, you're, you're, you're listing, <clears throat> especially if they're non-pass catching bats right you're listing tyler algier right just because the third running back is gone and you know you know the fun the funny part <coughs> every it's projected that way and then uh inactives come out and they activate a third running back. <laughs> and then you have to spin the narrative of oh he's only there for emergencies and it turns out that the guy that you projected to get more of the work still got his same share. They just gave the third guy's work to the next third guy. Yeah. So now you're sitting there with a 26% own running back that you tilt when he comes out of the game on the eight yard line. And you're like, why did they put the other guy? They put the other guy in like, yes. Why, why do you getting back to the very original point? Uh, even in DFS, like I don't plan it's quite possible that I don't pay more than 6K for a running back in any of my lineups the entire year. That essentially it's quarterbacks, wide receivers, and I'm punting everywhere else. I'm uh I'm gonna end on on a note about running back inconsistencies. And I am just hoping that we start the year and the running back that everybody is not expecting to start starts over Tony Pollard. I am just, I, I am so, who, who, I think it's Malik Will. Uh, uh, who is it? Hold on. Well, isn't Pollard holding out or something? He may not even play. Uh, it's Saquon Barkley and. I thought Barkley, Jacobs, and Pollard. Are I know right. it's Barkley and Jacobs. It's Malik Davis. I, I, oh my God. You know, no. What would be even better? Ronald Jones is on that, is on that roster. Imagine the start of the year and it's Ronald Jones over Tony Pollard. 
and where's, the entire where's, where's Zeke? remember i don't follow anything no zeke didn't get his his contract renewed oh so where's zeke playing now uh he's not signed yet i think <laughs> this is the value of running backs remember todd Gurley couldn't get signed anywhere after Yep. So Zeke Elliott is still a free agent now on July 24th. I believe so, yes. Doesn't that that kind of cement the fact that the Cowboys shouldn't have been paying him that much well, for all those years? I don't know, man. I, I think that uh I think that they're whatever. We're we're at the end of the podcast. Uh <laughs> Zeke is just Eddie Lacey 2.0. He's just gonna be fat after the season. Whatever. We'll just end there. <sighs> okay, James. People can find you at paydirt underscore DFS. Paydirt underscore DFS on uh, x.com since Twitter is renaming it. <laughs> X. I, I don't think it's. Dude, he's using a Unicode symbol as the logo. <laughs> if, you, if you look on. You can't desktop, even trademark that. Who does that? If you look on, on desktop, it's 2023 X Corp now, man. X Corp. I'm dead serious. Yeah, uh, but, it, but it's still, but it's still Twitter.com. No, look, look at the branding. Yeah, but I'm saying, but I still go to Twitter.com, and and then go below the the what's happening. Right. Welcome to X. No, look, look below that. Look, see X. Corp. Oh, 2023 X Corp. But it still says tweet. Well, it won't for long. Tweet? Anyway, you, you can find you can find me Pater underscore DFS over on Twitter slash X.com. Uh, you can also find all of my my models and everything like that over at uh, paterdfs.com. But do you realize this X symbol is the Unicode is a Unicode symbol? Yeah, yeah, I realize that. Yep. You know, you know, when like I'm, I, I, okay, I don't consider myself like like the, a business expert, but no. I am familiar with business. I've run my own businesses. Typically, when you make a logo, you make something that like no one could actually use other than you, right? Yeah. Like I didn't make my logo like the crying face emoji and be like, <laughs> like that's gonna be my logo. Like, no, you designed something that that you could actually put the TM on and it makes sense. But apparently I, I just don't I, I'm failing to understand how this how they're doing a soft launch of this right at, at whatever. I'll talk about I'll talk about it on X.com. Right. Go no, far from when it comes to when it comes to to Elon Musk, well, you, eventually you have to get to the point where, yeah, this guy's pretty pretty stupid, right? You get to like you, you I, I could pass the benefit of that. Okay, maybe he has some three D chess type of thing, and maybe he's thinking yeah. like, no, no. Eventually, you get to the point where Occam's razor has to set in and go. <laughs> oh, after after the after the eighty fourth thing, maybe this guy is just an idiot, right? Oh man, it's bad. <laughs> Okay, you can follow me on Twitter at Blender HD. My voice kind of what would you consider? My voice has held up. Yeah, no, you did great. I, I think you're gonna have a show tomorrow. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have a show. Okay, I, let's 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 plan for a show tomorrow. Send in your questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com, and uh, and we'll we'll cover them tomorrow. At football, baseball, anything, uh, we'll best ball, whatever you want to talk about strategically. I don't mind. I I just pick up stuff that like I find interesting to talk about, but. We'll leave it to the YouTube chat. You've, leave it to the question holders. Hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Give me those dummy thumbs, and I will see you tomorrow. Answering your DFS strategy or sports betting questions also. Uh, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.